When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Now, welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick, and it's Monday, and that means we have the NHL Network star, EJ Raddick. How are you, star, sir? Yes, the star, yes, stage, screen, and uh, NHL Network. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm here. Uh, back on my Monday schedule, so that's good. Yeah, and, and we were just talking about it off the air because it's all anybody's really talked about since the incident on Saturday. Uh, Craig uh, has the audacity of the Ottawa Senators to have a slap shot into the empty net. Like nobody can, nobody wants to be able to appreciate what Ottawa's gone through this year: ownership change, general manager change, coaching change, likely not going to the playoffs, going up against their arch rival Toronto Maple Leafs at home, and God forbid if you're excited to finish the game off with an empty net, and Morgan Riley to decides to take matters into his own hands and jump him after the incident. I understand being upset, EJ. I get it. But this whole idea that this is going to make Toronto tough and this is exactly what they need, give me a break. He let the frustration spill out and he went he went too far. You want to get mad at him for the slap shot? I get it, I guess. But that's not any kind of way to express your anger. Yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, it, it created a lot of... I guess it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And when you get into hockey and it's Toronto Maple Leafs, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people have a lot of feelings about the Leafs. They're like a marquee franchise and obviously Canada. So, um, I don't know. I I thought the slap shot thing, I didn't have a big problem with it. I thought it was kind of funny more than anything else. Um, In the heat of the battle of competition, people do get irritated at that kind of stuff. And, you know, Morgan Riley went over there and, you know, if there's going to be a dust up afterwards, I mean, you know, you want to you want to kind of read some of the riot act and you appreciate it. That's fine, but you just you can't crush a guy in the head. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And now he's going to have a he has an in person hearing, and I would imagine he's going to get a pretty significant uh, suspension of uh, you know four, five, six games, and you get what you deserve. You just can't crush that people in the head. It's pretty simple, especially you know well after a play has ended. Uh, not a hockey play in any way, just because you're mad. So uh, we saw something similar, I guess, with David Perron, although that was more directly after something happened. And I think he, you know, that's, that was, you know, all these things, all these incidents are different in different ways. But uh, at the end of the day, um, he's going to get suspended and he's going to get suspended pretty substantially, which is bad news for the Leafs because their defense is pretty, you know, pretty, pretty thin to begin with, and then Morgan Riley, who's their best defenseman now, would be out for several games. So, uh, not uh, not smart, and uh, you know, keep your stick down. Well, not smart, EJ, and now you're looking at a Maple Leaf team that's 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, they lost to a Senators team that I know is on a three-game win streak and 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10, but let's face it, this is not a team that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are fighting for a top-three spot in the Atlantic, should be losing to. Um, 
What do you make of this Leafs team? Any concern for them? I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to fall out of a playoff spot or anything like that, but to get into a spot in the top three would most likely be ideal for them. Um, and to lose to lose a game like this to the Senators is, is not what you're bargaining for. And probably another reason why Morgan Riley was so upset uh, at the slap shot empty net goal. Yeah, the Leafs, the Leafs have become good over the last few years at losing to teams that are beneath them in the standings. It's one of the things that you can say consistently the Leafs do is they don't play well against teams that are always, they don't always take care of that business. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. And especially rivalry teams, like they have trouble seemingly with Buffalo and Ottawa uh, all the time. And those teams have been beneath them in the standings for a while now. But uh you know, I, I think the Leafs are the who they are. I mean, they're a team that should be in the playoffs and a team that will likely lose in the first round. If not, if they get through the first round, they'll lose in the second round. I mean, right now, you know, they'd be in a position if they move into that third spot ahead of Tampa, they'd be in a position to play Florida. And I don't think they're going to be Florida in a seven-game series. So uh, we'll see what they do before the deadline. I think they're weak in goal. And I think that they're really weak on defense. And, you know, if they could go out and get a Tanev and, and maybe add another piece on defense, that makes them a little bit more formidable. But, uh, you know, when I look at this, this team, it's been the same story for a while now. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty top-heavy. They got some, obviously some really talented forwards. They got Morgan Riley back on defense. But, you know, again, you know, is Joseph Wall going to be the guy in goal? Is uh you know, are they going to go to Samsonov? Who, who's who's going to be the guy? I, I just don't see them as a team that's really a threat. Uh, they're, they're a team that, you know, they've got the offensive power that could that could give you a little bit of a headache, but usually in the playoffs where everything's close checking, I think uh, the weaknesses that the Leafs have would prohibit them from moving very far in the postseason. Yeah, and you just can't chalk it up to the dog days of the season because Toronto needs these games. Now, you look over at the Western Conference and what Colorado is going through right now, I guess it's easy to say, well, listen, they're a great team. They've won a cup recently. They're pretty much locked into the top three in the Central. Maybe this is just the dog days, but they had a players-only meeting, and it has been an awful Eastern trip here. And, you know, it started with the overtime loss to the, the Rangers, and it just got worse. So uh, yeah. I, I guess you can't just chalk it up when you have a players-only meeting. It sounds like they're legitimately concerned about what they've, how they've played recently. Yeah, they're not happy. I mean, uh, they're in a, in a very, you know, interesting spot there in that central division where you, know, you have three really good teams battling up the standings, and, uh, you know, with Dallas and Winnipeg and Colorado. Um, and they, they, they play to a high standard. I mean, Nathan McKinnon uh, and company there, this is a team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago. They play to a very high standard, and they're not meeting that standard right now, and they're disappointed. And You know, like you said, when I look at their team, I still like their team a lot, um, but they're just not playing well right now. I think they'll figure it out. Um, I do think they need to get a to, to shore up the, the, the depth in their goaltending position. Uh, I like your give, but I don't know. They don't really have much behind them. And I think they need to get somebody that has some experience and uh, some NHL experience in that role. So we'll see if Chris McFarland goes out and does that. But I'm not overly worried. But, uh, you know, I think when you hear a, a player's meeting for the Avalanche, I just think that, you know, they get mad when they lose one in a row. I mean, that's a team that plays. That, that's the kind of standard they have. And uh, when McKinnon, you know, McKinnon had that long stretch where he was, you know, he was on nights when maybe they weren't so good, he was carrying them. Now he's got a couple of games where he hasn't done much, and 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 thus the Avalanche are, are struggling. So they need to get the support players around. 
around him playing a little bit better and being a little bit more productive. And it's interesting, Edmonton now, after that long winning streak, they lose a couple of games in a row and just shows you how precarious it is. Right? I mean, nobody's catching Vancouver, um, maybe Vegas, but right now Vancouver's just playing on another level. That was a huge win yesterday afternoon, taking advantage of a turnover and winning late in overtime. But, you know, the Kings are... You know, the Kings are only three points back. They've got a great plus uh, goal uh, differential beating Edmonton. So, you know, as great as Edmonton has been, and we started looking at, well, maybe they can solidify a playoff spot, it just shows you that falling to the wild card after a couple of losses is definitely on the table. Yeah, no question. I mean, and you weren't going to win. You know, teams just don't win, you know, all the time, that many games in a row all the time. And they came within one of the NHL records. So it was a great, great run. Um, they played a couple of teams now that are up in the standings that are that are pretty good, and they ended up losing. So I mean, when you went through that 16 game streak, and again, full marks because only one other team in the history of the game has won more consecutive games than they did. But they didn't play any of the top, I think, seven or eight teams during that stretch. So they played Vegas, the defending champs. They lose to them, and then they play the LA Kings, who playing their first game after a coaching change and I watched that game the other night Donnie and the LA Kings played like their you know like their uh, their feet were on fire right something. I mean they were flying all over the ice I mean if they would have had that kind of effort if they have that kind of effort every night they're gonna be really hard to beat but uh, the you know so so we'll, we'll see where the Oilers are at they still got some challenges there they still uh, you know they're still the same team that we've seen over the last couple of years they're really really good at the top their defense is getting a little bit better. Stuart Skinner has been very good in goal since uh, they made their changes early in the season. So, uh, you know, we'll see what Kenny Holland and, and that group decides to do if they can make, you know, add another piece to the puzzle for that team. But, you know, looking at them this week, and especially against Vegas, who was without Eichel and Theodore, it's, you know, it, it, it's a team I still wonder, are they deep enough, you know, beyond yeah, the top guys, McDavid, Dreisaitl, you know, Hyman, Kane, those guys up front, are they deep enough throughout their forward group to, you know, to really beat the best teams in a seven-game series? We'll see. But, uh, you know, the, the good news for them is they were able to dig out because they were in such a hold down at the start of the season that sure. first five, six weeks. You know, at that time, you looked at the numbers, you, you said it's going to be really difficult for them to make the playoffs. Now I think we're pretty sure they're going to make the playoffs. The question is how far up the standings can they push and, what kind of position will they be in? It looks like they might be locked into a, you know, a first round series against the the Vegas Golden Knights if, if LA doesn't push into that, you know. So um, I don't think that's necessarily a formula or a path that is too exciting to win a Stanley Cup. But I guess we'll see over the next thirty games where everybody lands. I don't know uh, if the playoffs are in the future for the Washington Capitals, but they seem to have found a, a red hot goal scorer by the name of Alex Ovechkin. That's five in a <laughs> row now for him. Uh, yeah, he, he might turn yeah. into he might turn into a player long before not. Um, EJ, despite his struggles this year to score, and he's been along with Alexi Lafreniere of the Rangers, two of the most unlucky, based on the advanced analytics, goal scorers in the league. They should have far more mm-hmm. goals than expected uh, than what they have. Do you think that a season like this kind of limits Ovechkin's ability to catch Gretzky, or do you think that he's going to hold on long enough to eventually be able to overtake Gretzky in goals? I think that. I get the sense that Alex will play into his 50s if he has to. Okay. <laughs> to, to get there. So, um, and I get the sense the Washington Capitals will be okay with that because, you know, this team is going to eventually go through a further rebuild as they move forward here. And, uh, you know, 
Alex being there will certainly will certainly be uh, you know a uh, a reason for people to go to the games. Uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely changed the, the calculus a little bit, right? I mean the fact that he had just really struggled. Now the last several he scored some goals. He had, as you point out, Anthony he scored five in a row, so that's you know that's good news for him. And uh, we'll see if he can continue that. Um, you know, and what happens how he finishes the season? I think he's sixty goals or so behind. Gretzky right now and yeah, I think uh, it's 59 right now know, to tie yeah yeah there you go so there the I think the odds are you know the odds are still in his favor because I don't see him retiring tomorrow right so I mean I think he will continue to play and uh, the question will be was this first half of the season was it um you know was it a blip and is he going to go back to not necessarily being the scorer he was five ten years ago but it, can he go back to being the scorer that he was mm-hmm. last year you know which was so it may not be um, so sexy, is what we're see, saying. But it, yeah, no, it may not. And, you know, when sometimes these records are not that way. I mean, sometimes people do, you know, the, the, you know the, they get older, the production goes down. I mean, that's what we've seen in sports. And sometimes people don't get to the record in the manner that we think they do, but some, they eventually do sometimes. So we'll see. I think I get the sense he's still going to get there. But yeah. There are a lot of factors involved. And one, you know, obviously is his health and. You know, and, and what's going on this year, why it has been such a struggle. Is that something, like I said, is he going to be able to regain the touch that he had last year? And also the players around him, right? I mean, Nicholas Baxter has been out of the picture. Kuznetsov is out of the picture now. I mean, those are that's a two really high-end centers that probably, when you think of those two guys, how many of his goals in his career were one of those two guys in on? I mean, I think it's probably a pretty significant percentage. So he's without those guys right now. Just... Now think about this for a healthy debate. Of the cities that have all four major sports, how many of them would have a hockey player in the conversation as their greatest athlete? Washington certainly would. Yeah. It wouldn't be anybody yeah. baseball. Nationals haven't, uh, haven't been there um, that long. And then and Harper left. You know, the, I guess you'd say the Redskins slash Commanders, but they haven't won in over you know thirty years. And even when they won, they had different quarterbacks: Mark Rippon, Doug Williams, um, Joe Theismann. You know, there's there's defenders, but I don't put anybody uh, Ovechkin. And I don't think there's a Wizard slash uh, Bullet that you would put there. So well, I don't know if there's another city yeah. that you could really. And that, Jordan doesn't count. He because, doesn't count. No, he was there for five yeah. minutes. But you know, but all right. I mean, I, and I think Ovechkin clearly. Yeah would be in that conversation. I don't know if there's another city that can say that. Yeah, maybe maybe Gordie Howe in Detroit. I mean, they had great baseball players with the Tigers. And, I, you know, the Lions really not doesn't don't have a really storied, storied history. Uh, the Pistons, they had a, a good run of success. Isaiah Thomas was a good player for them. But, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, that's... Yeah, like, Detroit would be in the conversation right. probably, for sure. Yeah, there's not a, there's not many. I mean, yeah, but that's not know, bad that, so you, that the, the, the the other city that would be in the conversation would have Gordy Howe. You know, like Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. Gretzky would yeah. as great as Gretzky is. Did he spend enough time with the Kings to surpass Kobe yeah. or Magic or Kareem? Probably not. Yeah. Or any of the like the great Dodgers since they've been in L.A. Probably not. And yeah. Edmonton isn't a sport a four sports town. Nor is uh, St. Louis. And by the time he got to New York, he wouldn't be in the conversation. So kind of just interesting yeah. with Ovechkin. He's close. I, He's close in L.A. I think just because of what how he changed the dynamic of, of the entire sport by going there. But I agree with you. I don't think uh, you know. I think if he went into the city of. Mm. 
you know, Los Angeles, some of right. the Laker players that you mentioned, and you know, some of the Dodgers. I think are, you know, probably probably ahead of them. But uh, yeah, there's not many. So no. I would say Ovechkin for sure. Uh, EJ, what do you do if you're Craig Conroy right now? I mean, you, you sold off a major piece, but you got enough back where you could still be competitive this year. They're only three points out of a playoff spot, but they still have assets. So how much of a challenge is it to kind of see this season through, or do you just ignore it and say, I've got assets to rebuild, and I'm going to continue to think that way? Yeah, I think that's the way you have to have to think. I mean, you got a couple guys in Tanev and and uh, Hannafin who are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. You just saw your franchise go through that with with Johnny Gaudreau, um, and you lost them. And in that year, I mean, they had a really good year, and they were trying to win. They thought they could win a Stanley Cup, so it made sense for them to try to hold on there and and see if they could convince Gaudreau to stay later in the year. Um, at the end of the day, they lost them. They didn't get anything in return. This is not a Calgary team that's going to win a Stanley Cup this year and uh, most likely uh, in the near future. So I think the GM's job, especially Craig Conroy in his first season there, is, uh, you know, he's got plenty of, of runway, is to rebuild. So, like, you make an offer to Noah Hannafin and you, you communicate with him and you see if he wants to stay. And if you can't if you can't come to a decision with Hannafin before, you know, the next couple of weeks, you move him out. He's a very, uh, I think he's somebody that can bring you – a pretty uh, good return as, as these things happen in the season. People think you're going to get like four star players. I mean, the, the, the formula is pretty simple. You get a you get a, a prospect. You get a you get a first round pick. Maybe you get another pick. Maybe you get a conditional pick or another conditional prospect in there. I mean, those are all the things that you get in those type of deals. But you know, you're compiling assets if you're the Calgary Flames right now and trying to rebuild. So I think that's where you go with. Uh, I think that's where you go with Hannafin because he's young enough still to be a really impactful player for your team. Uh, I don't see a path to, re- to to make sense where it makes sense to resign Canav. He's a little bit older player now. He's into his thirties. Like you could resign him and he could be a helpful player for you, but what to what end? I mean, you're rebuilding. You know, you want to give the opportunity to younger players, and I think a player like Canav who could be really helpful right now for a team that is pushing to win the Stanley Cup, like a team that needs help on defense, like a Toronto or go through several teams that need help on defense. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, he's as helpful, uh, you know, to a Calgary Flames team over the next couple of years. So I think that's a guy that has some substantial value right now. And I would think that they would certainly move him. I think they've got to think about if they want to make bigger picture moves and, and, and move uh, Jacob Markstrom. It's something I would consider depending upon the return um, because, Again, I think we talked about it last week. If you're the Devils, if you're uh, if you're Toronto, if you're LA, just to name three teams. I mean, I think you're all interested in, in Jacob Markstrom. So that's a, a bigger picture discussion for for Craig Conroy. But it all comes down to what the offers are and what you can get in return. So you know, for me, it's just move forward with with kind of rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. That franchise. That's the job for for a first-year general manager who's coming into a team that obviously is a ways from really competing for a Stanley Cup. 
Well, somebody, anybody hearing this as a buyer would be happy to hear you say that, EJ, because the Flames hanging around at a possible wildcard spot in the seller's market is not what people want to hear because they have assets, like you yeah. said, um, that yeah. that that would be very interesting to a bunch of teams, one of them being the New Jersey Devils, who now have Jack Hughes back, but they're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10 on the outside looking in in the playoffs. They have a game in hand on Detroit, who are 8th right now, but they're 6 points behind them. We've talked about them a lot, EJ, on this podcast, and their their defensive issues with Dougie Hamilton out and their goaltending issues. Is Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, is that offense enough to get them back into this, or do you think that without a move, they're kind of going to be on the outside looking in here? I think they do need to make a move, um, but this is still, I mean, they've, they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Again, Dougie Hamilton's been gone for a long time. He's a big-minute feeder. He plays in a lot of situations for them, so that's a big loss, especially when you've You've had to now move to, you know, early 20-somethings in, in use and uh, never shift to your lineup. And, you know, those guys, is high high upside for both those players, you know, high, high draft picks. But at the end of the day, they're both young players that are gaining experience each and every day. And, you know, they're gonna, there's going to be bumps along the way. And then your goaltending has been, you know, hasn't been great, although Vanacek has had some, some moments lately. The other night, I mean, we're talking about the devil's defense. I mean... They end up uh, losing one nothing late in overtime to Carolina. So, I mean, they I obviously defended and got good enough goal to win that game. They just needed to score. They didn't. Kochekov was good for uh, for the Canes. So, I mean, it's it's going to be like if, if I'm betting on it, I, I would say the Devils still have a good chance to get there. It's not going to be easy because, you know, the Red Wings have, have played pretty well. It looks like that the chase is going to be for one of those three spots maybe in the East, and even that is going to be hard because the Flyers got hot again. Now they've won three in a row. I mean, the Flyers yeah. were floundering and had lost five. You thought, okay, the door was open. But guess what? The Flyers are playing well again, and so it's going to be a challenge. They're going to have to put wins together. That's like what we saw with the Edmonton Oilers, right? The Edmonton Oilers were really in a big hole. They were near the very, very bottom, if not in the bottom. I think uh, it was they were right there with San Jose in the first five weeks of the season. And, uh, in fact, San Jose beat them out in San Jose during the, you know, in early November. But, you know, they started putting wins together, and they put a lot of wins together. Um, the Devils, you know, I'm not saying they have to win 16 games in a row, but they've got to put together four or five wins in a row and start to get rolling in the right, right. direction. And, you know, they got they got a really important outdoor game coming up with the Flyers on uh, on Saturday night. I mean, we just I just mentioned the Flyers playing well. I mean, that's a game right there. The Devils probably need to win that game in regulation and, and, and have that, like, four points, a four-point game and have that swing in their favor because, you know, they're, they're running out of time to let those opportunities pass. So there's still time on the clock in the season. You know, the Devils have 30, 32 games left, but they need to put wins together. And over those last 32, they probably need to win what? They need, probably need to win in regulation 20 of them to be in a position to make the playoffs and then the other they probably need to get points out of those other some of those other twelve. So something like twenty six and six would probably would be something for them. I don't know, doing the math, you know, where that gets them for that probably puts them in. That's got them at eighty, ninety four, that puts them out at hundred points and that would get them in, I think. Yeah, but I think that would definitely they gotta do something in they gotta get something in that neighborhood, right? Like somewhere in there, eighteen you know, eight and six, something like that. And they need to start that run now. And that's the, the fun part of this part of the schedule, Don, is like you mentioned, it, you know, before we got on, it's, you know, the NFL season is over now. We're into the, this run in hockey where it's this 30-game run to the stretch. For the teams that have created a cushion for themselves, it's great. And for the teams that 
you know, are on the outside looking in or in that in that battle in the bubble, make a playoff. You know, every game. I think Patrick Watt said it. Every, this is a, this the playoffs have started for a lot of teams, and the, the Devils are one of those teams. The playoffs yeah. have already started. They got to put wins together, and they got to do it quick. You know, you think about this weekend with the uh, stadium series over at MetLife. You know, three of the four teams you want to throw the Rangers in the hopper. All four. You know, really. Yeah. The, I wonder if this is a if this is a, a good distraction or a bad one. Like, because sometimes what you do in these kind of focused events can kind of spur your team on. But I was over at UBS with the Michael K show on Thursday, and we had a chance to talk to Lou Lamorello, and he said he's still confident his team can make the playoffs. They're only four points out. They had a great win against Tampa and then kind of fell apart at home against the Flames. But, like, I'm, I'm sure Lou's not excited about having a big game against the divisional rival and it being in, in all the pomp and circumstance of an outdoor game when every game is needed. And the same thing with Philly, same thing with New Jersey. Now, the Rangers don't necessarily need the game. They're in first place, but they're trying to get Igor Shesterkin right. Like, so it really makes this weekend intriguing. These are just not ordinary regular season games. Uh, these are teams that need two points and and maybe can use whatever the result is on Saturday and Sunday to their advantage. You're right. I mean, when I look at these, you know, these games, you know, this kind of the, the back-to-back outdoor games in the huge facility there, I mean, when it, you know, leading into it, like, you know, there was a lot of things you could think about, but now these games, you're right, they have a real, a real significance. I mean, the Islanders and Devils need to win desperately. Flyers want to keep pushing forward. I mean, I know, you know, they're going to, maybe they might still sell off a couple of pieces because they are still focused on the bigger picture. But the guys in that room are, you know, and with John Tortorella, they're focused. They'd love nothing more than go in there and, and beat the Devils on a Saturday night. And, you know, the Islanders, you know, they need wins. It's, they're in the same boat. I mean, they've played two more games than the Devils. So, you know, they need wins. So I expect those those two games to be, you know, they're, they're, I guess we should have figured they would be important. I guess at the start of the season, you look at the Flyers and you probably said, well, the Flyers are rebuilding. So, you know, at the start of the year, you probably thought the Devils, you know, that would be a game for the Devils to roll. But as we look at it now, right, I mean, it's just so funny when you play the games. The Devils are sitting here, you know, uh, eight points behind the Flyers in the standings. they got a couple games in hand. But, I mean, they're almost they're, they're kind of in a must-win territory, really. I mean, you need to get those two points on, on Saturday night. So, it's interesting how the season has unfolded and those games being even more important in the standings than just, uh, you know, kind of a fun event during the middle of the year. EJ, are there too many of them? I mean, look, I, I look, I'm, I'm very happy that the stadium series is in the yeah. air conditioner that is MetLife Stadium uh, on back-to-back right. days. But uh, is it taking away from what once was uh, a very special event in the Winter Classic? Obviously, you have the Heritage Classic. Do we have too many outdoor games? Is the NHL kind of oversaturating the market for this? Now, granted, for the fans of the teams, like you're all bought in. But how many people are interested yeah. in seeing this outside of the markets that are involved in them when it's not the Winter Classic? I think that uh, I think in the markets that they have them, they're big. Right. And like I go back to Carolina last year. That was that was that's what the Stadium Series should be to me. Is like they went into Carolina last year. The city was focused on it. It had a great venue. It was about forty thousand seats in the college football stadium there at NC State. Uh, it was just a, it was a, a fantastic event where everybody was really in the and that's what it is in those marketplaces. Right. You, have, you know the people that haven't had it or they maybe have had it years ago or they don't get a lot of big events. I mean it's a it's a big deal. I mean I think we've had a number of them. 
you know, in this area over the years. I mean, it has been a bunch of years since we had the Yankee Stadium games, right? So that's, uh, I think that was 10 years ago because it originally popped up in my, in my memories and social media. So um, it's been a while, so I think doing it again. Having two of them, you know, might be a, a little bit of a, a push in the same area. But uh, I guess the proof will be in the pudding, right? We'll see how 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 full the stands are in between between those two games that played this weekend. But uh, I, I do think I think the one Heritage Classic game, the Winter Classic, and then one Stadium Series game. I think that's a good number, and I think it gives it allows for the league to get to a lot of different markets. That's the point. That don't always get them, you know, because the Winter Classic. Because like you see, the Winter Classic is already announced, right? Chicago next year. The Winter Classic is driven by a lot of it is by. TV and TV numbers, if they can get any. I mean, that number has kind of changed over the years. The landscape of of games being played on on New Year's Day has changed over the years from a, from a viewing standpoint on television. I think they're moving it to tonight, which or later in the day now. It might be on the 31st next year. I mean, there's all these different things that go on all the time. But it seems like that Winter Classic game is it's not that's that's usually not going to be in a smaller market, right? Whereas stadium series game can be. In this particular case, it's not. It's in the New York area. But again, I go back to what was in Carolina last year. I thought that was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think three is probably the right number. This year we have four. You know, I can live with that. And, uh, you know, I think the fans get a kick out of it in both places. And it is big in those yeah, individual I, markets. I, I think you said it well because I think the Winter Classic is supposed to be a national event to try to get attention on hockey. These stadium series, to me, are just to give the local markets that have no shot at a Winter Classic a chance to be able yeah. to see their teams. The Devils and the Islanders are never going to play in a Winter Classic. The Carolina Hurricanes yeah. likely are never going to play in a Winter Classic. Like So it gives them a bit of a flavor to it. I remember I was in Carolina last year leading up to that game, EJ, and there was a buzz around it. Yeah. Now, I don't think the rest of the NHL Absolutely. cared, but they cared in Carolina, and I think that was important, and they get a sellout. Now, yeah. the games are on national television. The Devil Flyer game on Saturday is going to be the third game of a triple header on ABC. And then th- that yeah. 3 o'clock game between the Rangers and the Islanders is going to be on ABC. So... They, but those games might have been on ABC anyway, and the fact that it's in a stadium series might get a few more eyeballs. But, Anthony, I wouldn't look at it as uh, the national event like the Windsor Classic. It's it's just to give certain markets a chance to participate that normally wouldn't participate. Because I think that's probably – EJ, I remember when we were doing um, NHL Live that the markets and the fans that complained that their teams never had a chance to do anything in the Winter Classic. And – and That's so right. this is this is an opportunity to kind of get. It's not the Winter Classic, but it's it's close enough. And in that moment, you're going to have eighty thousand people watching hockey in the New York metropolitan area, and about one hundred and sixty thousand combined over two days. That's not a bad thing for New York hockey, for sure. No, no, and it's you, and you're selling. You know, the other thing too is you're selling merchandise. You're, you know, it's it, it's something that people do talk about and. You know, you point out. I mean, this is that window. This is the window I love for hockey. It's, it's still, it's the winter. It's still cold. The NFL is over now. The Super Bowl is is in the rearview mirror. There's, it's that kind of lull in the schedule. You know, pitchers and catchers are coming in, but like, you know, that's still very early for baseball. Um, you know, basketball is going through the same kind of thing in their season. Uh, college basketball is heating up a little bit, but it's a great window for hockey to maybe get some. Yeah. Uh, to get to slide more into the national uh, consciousness, so to speak, uh, and you know, like I said, it's winter. You know, we play our Stanley Cup final into mid June now. You know, it's <laughs> right. summer by then. It's a little different. In, it's a little different setup. But I think this time of year is is really good for uh, 
you know, to, to sell our game. And, uh, you know, so we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting over the weekend. I'll be calling the game for NHL International on Sunday. And then I'm in the studio Saturday helping with our NHL network coverage. So, uh, you know, it should be an interesting weekend. So you'll be there Sunday? Sunday I'll be there. I don't know exactly where they have me. Oh, they're going to put you on the ice. Right along the rink. Right on the ice. Yeah, it might be right on. Well, I will be right along the rink. I will be there, I would assume. I will be ice level doing the pre and post and walk offs and and all that. So So I'll swing by. Say hello. I heard rumors, EJ, that that's what he requested. They're like, we can put you in a nice little air yeah. condition uh, in a nice heat controlled spot. And he's like, no, I want to be uh, on well, the ice. Listen, no. I froze my tail off at many a Winter Classic. It's uh, well, Citizens yes, Bank right. when the when the when the um, when the Flyers and Rangers played, it wasn't that bad. But the but the Saber yeah. Ranger game at City Field back yeah, in 2018, it Field, was cold. That was cold. And yeah, I was also was ice cold. level for the two at Yankee Stadium, the Stadium Series back and in 2014, that and that was cold. And I took a look yeah. at the weather, the and apparently game, it's gonna, we're going to get a nice. cold snap this weekend. I went to Boston, Mon- uh, Boston, yeah. Montreal, and Foxborough. That was it snowed and was cold, but it was a cool environment yeah. to see a game in the snow. That that was actually pretty yeah. fun. Well, that yeah. was the highlight yeah. of the first yeah. one, right, EJ? The fact that it started to yeah. started to flurry in that very yeah. first one in Buffalo. Exactly. Well, we had we had some they had some pretty good snow in that game. You had to remember they had to yeah. lose the puck. In the, it was like a snow globe. That day it was. It was kind of magical. Everything kind of came together. It was a crazy. You know, when you when you when you go back, I know that NHL has done uh, documentaries on the you know the Winter Classic and that first Winter Classic, and so much went into that. There was so much they didn't know at the time, and they didn't have the equipment that they have now. And uh, you know, they got a big snowstorm uh, leading up to it, and uh, there was just it, it's kind of amazing they were able to put that event together, and it came off as well as it did. But a lot of it was because the weather really cooperated. It was just enough to make it, you know, like a little winter wonderland. Like I said, like a snow globe. So uh, and then cool. you had Sidney Crosby scoring the game winner in the in the shootout. So yeah, they've come a long way since then. They're able to do these. I mean, they've got it down. You know, that's another thing when you know Anthony says it's too many. I mean, they're able to, you know, because they have a, you know, go back to the NHL event staff and. You know, Steve Mayer and all the people involved there, they've got it really down to a science. And, you know, obviously you could never predict what's going to happen with the weather. But they, they've been through just about everything that can happen in these games now. And they understand kind of the how to do it and how to do it uh, as economically as they can. And uh, they usually put on a really good show. So we'll see what happens, uh, right. you know, over the weekend. I think I'm looking at the long-term forecast. looks like we're going to have some snow in the air Saturday night. So that could make for that a really nice uh, yeah. backdrop on an, in the Saturday evening in February. All right, buddy. Well, we'll have you back on on Monday to recap all the stadium yeah, series right. stuff. And we'll be a week closer to the trade deadline. So we'll look forward to talking to you next week. All right, you got it, guys. Have a good one. All right, hang in there, man. We'll talk to you soon. That's EJ Raddick. Of course, he joins us every Monday here on Game Misconduct. Four games tonight, Anthony, on the slate. 7 o'clock, the Flames are at the Garden to take on the Rangers. That's right. Borsha Sturkin will start his second consecutive game. Oh, dear God in heaven, what will we do? Rangers kind of just went through the motions on Friday night. They won the game in overtime, but they did blow a two-goal lead in the third period. The the Blackhawks scored three goals combined the previous five games and then scored three goals against the Rangers in one game. But but, uh, Zabanajad scores in overtime. They win the game. They win their fourth in a row taking a Flames team coming off a victory against the Islanders the other night. So we'll see what the Rangers can do. De- big game for the Devils as well. They're home for Seattle. Yep. 
Um, they did earn a point, even though they lost that game on Saturday to Carolina. They did get a point coming off the big win against Colorado, 5-3. to three. So see if the Devils can make it uh, five points in three games against the Kraken. Flyers at home against the Coyotes. That's a good matchup for Philadelphia to try to win their fourth in a row. And then the Wild and the Golden Knights from Vegas. So only four games, but uh, but three of them I think got a little juice tonight. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, look, look, I, I've I have an aff- uh, affinity for the Coyotes for some odd reason. I just I like the underdog story every now and again. Uh, Flyers have played a lot better. Um, could I see the Coyotes winning in Philadelphia? Sure. Let Let's go with sure. Um, interesting to see how Igor Shosturkin bounces back. It's not really his fault that he gave up three goals, in my opinion, in Chicago. And I know a bunch of people would disagree on that. Um, but I thought he was screened on the first one. Uh, the second one was a broken play in front. Gustafson doesn't get his stick down. And then the third one was a deflection um, that not many people would have been able to stop. So Rangers have to be a lot better in front of their goalie again. Uh, but also, he made some big saves. Um, and even Steve Aliquette said that he looked pretty good. Or he looked good. He didn't say pretty good. But the problem is with that game, you needed to win that game. So if you lost it, it would be a bigger problem. But then now that you won it, it's like, who cares? It was the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, This is a little bit more formidable an opponent. Uh, They still have a lot of firepower, as EJ said. Uh, So it would be interesting to see uh, how Igor plays against a better team, a little more offensively powered team, and how the Rangers respond as well. But, But a nice opportunity here. You've already won four in a row going back to that Ottawa win before the break. You've got Montreal that's reeling, gave up a touchdown yesterday. Um, yeah, that wasn't good. Uh, Krug had five assists Mon- for the St. Louis Blues. That <laughs> St. Was Louis something. looked like he wanted to be anywhere else but I where know. he was. So, you know, so that's Thursday, so they get a bit of a rest there. Poor Nancy. And, and then, uh, so they the, so a chance to get to six straight when they get to the stadium series against the Islanders. But listen, Cal, you said Calgary is not laying down. They need the game, coming off a win against the Islanders. And, and remember, Montreal ended up winning in a shootout against the Rangers the last time these two teams played. So Rangers play the way they played on Friday in Chicago. They could very well lose uh, the next three in a row and then find themselves right back to where they were before the break. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'll be on the pre and post for that. Anthony, always a pleasure. Let's do this again on Wednesday. That sounds good. I didn't. I let you down on Friday. We had a lot of moving parts, and I didn't do a podcast on my own. First of well, all, it's your podcast. Second, I, well, all, listen, I had I had some family stuff that came up at the last second, so I do apologize for not having the uh, the the, the uh, pod on Friday. Uh, but we'll be back again on Wednesday. So if you want to get in touch with us, at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct, and we'll recap all the world in the NHLs. We'll already be midway through February. Uh, Most teams will have less than 30 games left in the regular season, so should be a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.